It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm looking forward to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Donald Kelly, the sales evangelist. He's also the host of the podcast by the same name, The Sales Evangelist. Donald, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you so much, Andy. I'm getting ready to accelerate seatbelts on and everything's ready to go, man. Here we go, man. So take a minute, introduce yourself. How'd you get your start in sales? And maybe even start back earlier because, you know, what, what brought you to this country? Cool, man. Um, and I think it all ties together. Uh, I, the host of Sales Evangelist podcast, as well as um, founder of the Sales Evangelist, uh, sales training and coaching. And I did... I moved to the U.S. when I was nine. My family uh, moved here, and as a kid in Jamaica, I always saw my family like you know, just like you, you want to make something happen, you have to hustle. My dad was an entrepreneur, and just like I saw, like you know, cousins and aunts, they had little shops and things of that nature. So, in my mind, if you want to make money, you had to sell something. So, as a kid, I would get mangoes from the coconut from like from the front yard, and you know, I didn't mess with the coconuts; they were too big, heavy to peel. But like, uh, try to sell them in a front yard or get cookies and try to sell those cookies as well in little baggies and so forth. So it came into my nature that, you know, if you want to make something, you want to make some money, you have to go out and create a business. You have to sell. So sales just became a part of my lifestyle. So, and with an outgoing personality, everyone and their mom was like, oh my goodness, you have an outgoing personality. You should go in sales, which is a horrible idea, first of all. And because I, I, I listened to them and I started to go, I realized that my personality alone wasn't going to cut it. I did well in B, uh, B2C, you know, it posts, uh, you know, during college and so forth. But when I went into the professional world, I saw that I had a struggle with the B to B. And why was and that? I, I felt that one of the main issues was I, I didn't know. I was afraid. It was, it was a lot of it came down to fear. I didn't know how to talk to an executive to have a conversation like that. I felt I could relate to somebody behind a door when I did door to door security or an individual to a class, you know, it's one person, but I just saw the CEO in my mind as a most big important person and I couldn't talk with them and that prevented me to, you know, to articulate myself. So and and I didn't have the proper training as far as sales training, some of those techniques you needed as you go after B2B clients, you know, how to prospect to them and so forth. B2C, I go knock on a door and I'm doing door-to-door security and, you know, bada bing, bada boom. But here, it was a little bit more difficult and I learned, I went through some formal sales training and and that's when I started to see results and I started to see improvement and I was like, oh my goodness, there's so many new sellers like myself, maybe they don't have the opportunity to get formal sales training. So I started TSC, the Sales Evangelist podcast. And as a natural byproduct of that, people start to ask, could I do coaching? Could I do some speaking for them? Or could I train their team and you know what I know? And they started to develop and so forth. And then uh, we made, started making money on the side. So my wife and I put a plan in place. And last year, I left my full-time corporate software sales job. And this is what I do now, fun Took times. the plunge. I jumped off, man. Jumped off. There you go. <laughs> Swimming with the sharks. Yes, sir. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, what are you evangelizing then? So, I mean, that's a very specific connotation of sales evangelist. Is there something new, a new approach, a new way of selling? 
you know, and I don't necessarily know if there is a, a new approach that I'm evangelizing. I'm evangelizing uh, the process of affecting selling. Let me, and I'll explain this. The majority of sales pros, especially in a lot of small, mid-sized companies, they never have the opportunity to receive formal sales training. So they for, they sell based on instinct and based on what they see on the movies or what they see society depict a great seller to be. And unfortunately, that doesn't lead to success. And I mean, you usually find that you may find ones or twosies. Some folks who are just like a natural born, but that 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 percentage is very, 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 very low in comparison to the majority of people out there selling who are hitting to get hitting their heads against the wall and don't have high retention rates in companies. So my job was what I wanted to do was focus on the fundamentals, the fundamentals that I've seen to work, that to be effective. Um, being able to prospect, being able to ask the appropriate question, being able to develop and uh, sell value, um, being able to you know utilize your relationships, and uh, being able to have a formal sales process, you know what to do and when to do it. Those were some of the things that initially made a huge difference in my sales performance, and that's what I wanted to evangelize. Um, and I focused on new and incoming sellers and people who were transitioning from other fields. And as a byproduct of that too, you know, I have a lot of veterans who listen to their podcasts and a lot of the veterans sales managers hire me because they see that I'm really good with the fundamentals. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. So interesting question though. You make a point about, gosh, most small salespeople at small mid-sized businesses don't get the formal sales training. But it brings up an interesting point, which is, okay, what are they doing? There's sort of, well, two points really. What are they doing to develop themselves? Because you know, you talk about desire, you talk about hustle. Is gosh, there's hundreds of sales books published every year. There's hundreds of sales podcasts like yours and mine. Uh, I haven't counted, but I presume there are hundreds, if not more. Um, yeah, there's all these resources that are now so instantly available to sales reps that, and people much more accustomed to going online to find the information they need. What you know, what's holding them back? I mean, yeah, it doesn't mean they still don't need assistance from. A coach like you or somebody like me, perhaps, but but what's holding them back from taking that first step to really educating themselves about it? I think a lot of people just I, I, the idea or the thought of going about doing it. Well, there's a couple approaches. I get a lot of people reach out to me who said, you know, I found your podcast. I'm new to sales, so I started to research. I found a list of podcasts. You know, some people are just really just not that, um, you know. Not not that fort right. They, they don't know to you know go and take go research and, and do it themselves. They want their company to do it, and unfortunately, some of those people probably still won't even progress. Um, but the people who do sometimes jump out and do it, they they get like a, the shiny the shiny object syndrome. They go after everything and anything. They read every book they kind they try to find. They they go after every single you know podcast and everything out there, and then they get overwhelmed. And it's like I don't know how to implement this stuff now. A lot of times I found I find, and I try not to do this too much, but my you know they find the content that they produce have a lot of what, but doesn't give you a lot of how because that's where people make their money. So they said I'm not going to tell them the how. I'll tell them the what. Like say for instance, you need to cold call or you need to use LinkedIn to sell. Okay, well how do I do it effectively? They give you this you know the the, the little bit the little bit of the flavor, but not the the full details. So then folks who are listening and trying this stuff, they try and they don't see the success. So then they don't go forward with it. Um, so I mean, as my interaction with folks and being on the other end myself, that's what I tend to see is you find 
one people, some people who are just not as, um, not as, uh, you know, have the caliber enough to, to say, well, I have the motive, in, internal motivation or internal drive to say, I'm going to go find something out there to, to teach or to help me. And I think that's why you see 20% of the sales force bring in 80% of the revenue because there is a large portion of them that just don't have that drive to go and look. Um, they'll follow the instinct. And I also think a lot of it has to do with pride for some folks. Some folks may do well and you know, have a very strong personality and feel that they don't necessarily need to get the formal training that they can do, you know, that they have a, a gift for gab and don't realize the gift for gab doesn't necessarily mean you're a great salesperson. Well, yeah, it could be the opposite. So yeah. getting back to your 2080 comment, I, I phrase it 2080, that 20, 20% of the reps produce 80% of the business. Yeah. Really, to me, I mean, the goal and the objective of of people like you and me is to really to help those eighty percent become better. Yes, right. So that's really where the the twenty yeah, percent marginal improvement you're going to see from them uh, from anything that they can be told or learned. Not that they can't, but I mean, the marginal increments could be much smaller than with the the vast what I call yes. middle middle class of the sales of sales people. So this motivation issue about becoming Continuous learners is really big. It's really important. I mean, so how do how do we solve that? Because you know, I work with clients, and we've we've we're testing out some new programs this year that that uh, where the company is actually investing its own time and giving the reps time during every business day to read something. And it's usually we have a set reading list that we go through, but over the course of a year, those reps are going to read twelve books. That's awesome. That they would not have read before, and they're doing it on company time. 15 minutes every day, that's all they get, and that's all they really require. Then you start maybe saying, okay, get people thinking, okay, I can. this learning's kind of cool. I can keep on doing it. So what are some other ways you're seeing to really help motivate reps to really take that step to invest in themselves? I think a lot of it comes back to the type of people. I mean, obviously, if they're already on the on board, then so be it. But I think some companies, one of the things that they, they do to be effective is in the actual hiring process where you look for that. You know, you look for what is it that this person is doing? Are they a self-starter, self-motivator? And, you know, people can tell you they do that. But if you ask them specifically what they do, you typically you can find out if this person is really going to, you know, really going to go for it. And I, and I feel, especially in small to mid-sized companies, again, that's where I spend a lot of time, Andy, I see that people get hired because they need to fill a warm body position or they know someone who knows someone. But it's so not that some, hard for managers to... Or is it, do you think? Hard for managers in small and mid-sized companies, because I yeah, work with a lot of companies in the same space. To train them to say, let's yeah, let's not make that early quick decision on hiring somebody just because we're so we hate the process of hiring so much. We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna find the first warm body. Is it really the problem really starts there? Yeah, I think it I think well, each individual rep has to have the internal drive themselves. But I think that's one of the important parts. If, if I'm hiring somebody from my company, I'm just not going to bring somebody on to bring somebody on. I'm going to have to vet that process and make sure this is going to be a right fit for my company. So, I mean, I think that's And what is that process thing. that you recommend for small businesses when they're looking to hire sales candidates? They're, identify the right candidates, ask the right questions, increase the odds of hiring somebody that's really going to perform for them. What, what, what do you recommend? For me, I know some folks use like, you know, DISC and things of that nature. I mean, 
what I personally Those like are to personality do, assessments for people listening yeah. that, that don't know the acronym. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, they have, you know, they use different things like that. I know one company that I worked with when they brought me on, they had me do a disc profile earlier on in my sales career. But then again, can are those profiles necessarily going to mean somebody's going to be a, a top performer or whatnot? No. But what the companies are trying to do is just at least to kind of get a glimpse into what's the motivation, what's their drive. Um, the other thing that I personally so, like to do well, just is... just before we move on, is, so you think assessments are good, they're just a data point? Yes, it's a, okay. it's good. It's, it's not, not, it's not be the, the end-all end deal. deal. Okay. No way. Oh, no way. we okay. said the same expression, jinx. Okay, great. All right, <laughs> All right. You, uh, I have to owe you a soda. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the other thing that I feel too, especially with uh, the... The data point is not to rush that process too much. Some companies, they again, they want to get somebody in the spot because obviously a salesperson getting them ramped up and getting them to start performing in their territory is meaning revenue for the organization. However, if you're able to get have multiple approaches or even to sometimes bring the person on um, to do almost like a trial, a dry run, you know, get them into the process a little bit and see them interacting with the team and they're, you know, see their skills set you can you can tend to learn a lot from an individual i'll give you one for one example there's a company that i worked with they had a sales rep on friday they interviewed him and he looked like he was the bomb.com <laughs> they brought him in on monday the guy was sleeping during the sessions uh, training sessions on the conference room floor uh, in the room and then slowly but surely he just he didn't he did not clash. He clashed with the supervisor and clashed with the team, and he was just like he didn't. He didn't seem that he. He told one of the 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 reps who shared it with us that he was chasing the base. That was his job. He wanted to get the base salary so that he can go from there. So I mean, is is there a pro, is there an opportunity that you can bring someone in and to get them to um, even just like for one day to interact with your team and try, try to get multiple people to get a feel for them, not just like the management, but actual reps that are working in the organization. I mean, that's one way, but it comes right, everything is going to tie back down to that personal individual's why or what drives them. What is it? And usually you can you can feel or in your interview or even if you see somebody interact, you can see that they have drive. They see that they have motivation. You can see something that that pushes them. For me, my personal why, my personal drive was because I moved here. My mom worked two jobs, you know, what I mean, as a kid. And I saw that at one point we were homeless. My goal was never to have need again in my entire life. I wanted to find something and sales gave me the opportunity to have a unlimited uh, income. You know, that I didn't have to be, you know, tap out at my $50,000, uh, you know, doing a desk job. I can do whatever I, I can reach for whatever I want if I push myself. So that was my personal why. Is there, are there some people that just don't have a personal why? Or some people, maybe it's just, you know, literally just, uh, you know, to get the paycheck. Uh, somehow, you, I think organizations need to tap into their reps to help them develop or to find their personal why, because that's going to keep driving them. Doesn't matter what books they have to read or what you recommend, they're going to, you know, keep going forward. Does that make sense? Let me make sense with that, Andy. Sure, sure. So, I guess one of the questions that really is for a lot of small and mid-sized companies is, and you see this, I think, more with larger enterprises, is that you know, sales really is an apprenticeship, right? I mean, it's for all that we can learn in the classroom. It's really we learn by watching other people do it. And starting to do it ourselves. So who in small, mid-sized companies, if you've got a 
you're working with a CEO and there's no, or he's acting as a, he or she is acting as a sales manager. What do you counsel them in terms of putting in a sales manager, somebody that, that the reps can learn from, right? They need to model their behavior after someone. Who is that that they're modeling their behavior after? I usually recommend that they need to get a coach. They need to get someone, they need to hire a sales manager slash coach, not uh, someone that could be inside their organization, not necessarily like a you or a me or anything like that, but somebody who's there on a day-to-day basis. Because unfortunately, the CEOs, what I've seen sometimes is that they get overwhelmed and they have so much that they're doing that they can't necessarily sit down and do the training. I'm not talking about you take your top rep and then you make them into a manager because no, that no, no. top rep, <laughs> that I've seen that backfire a lot too because usually with that top rep becoming a sales manager, one, you're cutting off their ability to perform because now you have them doing the management work and two, because someone is like Michael Jordan is a great basketball player but it may not be the best manager um, for you know a team. Charlotte Bobcat, you know Bobcats, and so forth. Well, yeah, but, the, yeah, the first part I think is really the most germane for most companies is that you have someone that's really good at doing. If they're your top prep, they're really good at bringing business in. So why do you want to take them out of that role? Unless yeah. they have a a real desire to become a manager, but sure, yeah, and, and at that point, you know, obviously you can get them management training and develop them into coach. The, I Many feel, don't though. What's that? Many don't have that desire. No. And I've, I, I had those situations where I was like, I don't want to have to worry about other people's problems. I want to make my money <laughs> at certain points of my life. I just wanted to, you know, get get the dollars. And I was more than willing to give my advice and, you know, help with other folks who, you know, new guys who came in. And obviously, that's a passion for me. That's where I started a podcast. I wasn't getting paid for that. But it's, uh, you know, you, some people really just, it's not a not a part of their their desire to climb ladders. But um but I would recommend that some that any any CEOs, any managers, any uh, small business, they need to find. If you're trying to get a rep, you need to find somebody that's going to guide that rep. You need to find somebody that's going to be there to guide them. One of the mistakes a, a small company I worked for early on, um, fresh out of college, Andy, they took the management role. Um, we had a sales manager, but they made her a selling manager as well, mm. and then they took her away from right performing with us some people saw there were some little conflicts of interest there as well because she has to perform as well um, and then when it took her away from coaching us meeting with us for one-on-ones every week or whatever you know the companies have I saw that there was we saw as an organization the there was a deterioration the dec- decrease in reps performance because they just don't have someone to be accountable accountable to. That accountable being accountable helps so much. Even though you have internal motivation, I don't care who you are, there's still something about having that uh, you can get that coaching, get you know guided on certain things. And a top performing rep, they don't necessarily need all the fundamental things, but they just need to is there something that they can tweak? Is there if I can tweak this particular approach with when I'm doing social selling, can I get a greater yield? And that's where we saw some of the, you know, the decline. And so imagine like the the reps who weren't performing great, when you took away that coaching from them, the internal coach, they started to perform even, you know worse. So the manager was closing deals, but she couldn't carry the whole company um, in the quotas that everyone else had. It's, so, it's always a problem. And there's there's inevitably, and this is the, you know people in the audience, if you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, yeah, you, you can't have player managers running sales. There's always going to be a conflict of interest. As you said, first of all, either a time conflict or very often even a territory conflict, which then oh, yeah. once you get that, then all trust between your sales team and the manager disappears so yes 
if you're going to have somebody in management, if you want to delegate the management task of sales, if you think you don't have time for it, and you've reached that stage, you can't do it on a part-time basis, can't bring someone on a part-time basis, you need to be able to justify somebody doing full-time. Yeah. And the other thing that the manager person, this, this person that you have, this team leader is able to do as well, is it's like a... I mean, if you look at, I, I saw this when I played sports, you know, we had some great coaches and, you know, might say, well, you know, this coach, I can beat my coach in running. Well, who cares? The coach is there to give the guidance and to give the guy uh, to give you the, to see stuff that you can't see. They're visionary in some instances that can help you to perform. Their, their, their job is to pull the best out of you as that rep. And with the coaches that I've had on as a sales, you know, as I'm selling, it was awesome because they had the conditioning. If you do the coaching to sports analogy, which we they did, had, yeah, yeah, they have the the um, they give you the conditioning when you come on, or they give you the right things that's going to push you to have peak performance. And especially as a new rep, if you have a, a coach internally in your company that's manager, the sales leader, who've been through this process before, they'll know exactly what to do and how to get this new rep up and running um, into a cookie cutter format. If you look at companies that don't have that role, you have the wild, wild west where this new sales rep is coming in and they're hacking through things that they don't necessarily need to do when there's a path already because it's... They've, they don't know the path is there. They exactly. don't have that process. And I've seen that and I failed at that many times in, in some of the companies where I've gotten into and they didn't have training or any formal process. I was reinventing the wheel in, a, in essence and it wasn't. Uh, it took me a lot longer to catch up and start selling as opposed to here, follow this path. This is our ideal customer. This is a process, best way to prospect for us, best industries to look at and so forth. Okay. Well, good answers. What sport did you play? Played soccer. I played flag football, ran track. Um, those are the top three that I that I love and did the most. And what do you do now? I do flag football with my buddies, and then I go out jogging like a old thirty three year old, thirty two year old, thirty three years old. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> You're so old. Okay. Hopefully, you'll survive another year. So, all right, we're gonna take a short break. I'll be back with my guest Donald Kelly right after this. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, back with my guest, Donald Kelly, the sales evangelist. Oh, Donald, we're going to move into the last segment of my show where I've got some questions I ask all my guests. And the first one is a hypothetical scenario that, and in this scenario, you, Donald, you've just been hired as the new VP of sales at a company, let's say a mid-sized company whose sales have stalled out. And they lost the recipe. CEO is really anxious for you to come in and make a huge difference and get things turned around. So on your first week on the job, what two things could you do that have the biggest impact? Mm. The first two things that I would do, and I'll tell you the first one that I would do is I would get to know each rep. And I'll tell you why. 
I've had it where I've had you know managers come in and they you know the company the CEOs brought someone in and they came in as like the the truck Norris they're going to take over and you know turn the ship around and make things happen and it made it that I didn't necessarily want to trust them I didn't have a friendship with them I didn't have a relationship I wanted them to prove themselves to me so one of the things that I would do is to make sure that I got an understanding of, got a chance to really connect with each of the rep, if at all possible. For a mid-sized company, you, you, you probably have a better chance of doing so. But people usually like to to connect with someone that they they feel. A leader, a leader in any organization, the best way you're going to motivate people is through your example and through the way that you make them feel. If I can help somebody to recognize to someone help someone recognize that, I, that I'm their coach, that I'm here to help them and to feel that I actually genuinely care for them, I have a better chance. More than looking at any reports and studying any graphs and so forth is people, the one-on-one. I just, I'm thoroughly convinced on that. Um, okay, so back to the, so they don't care the what you know thing. as long as until they know that you care. Exactly. Okay. So that's the very first thing that I would do. And then the other thing that I would do is really interesting. I would really come to understand, uh, I would try to get a deeper understanding of the company as a whole. Um, one of the, f- the things that I've seen flawed is many times you bring a manager in to an organization and it's almost like a silo share. Is there something that I can do to learn from every single organization in the company that can help me? And that's been very, very helpful from customer service to marketing, of course, but to also just like the HR department, the finance department. If there's a way that I can really connect with everyone in the company and understand what is our, what is it that separates us from everybody else that makes us so, you know, so awesome. That's, I feel that that, that connection, the internal support, the, the best way to destroy an organization is from inside out. And I feel the best way to grow an organization is from inside out as well. If I can get everyone in that company to understand the importance that it's not, even if they don't like the word sales, but understand growth, that we are all here to grow together. We need to grow because everyone needs to be a salesperson in that company. And if I can, again, build a relationship with them and understand what are some of, how they, help them understand how they perform in the company to help the company grow? How does customer service help the company grow? How does HR, how does finance, all of those areas, I feel that I have a better chance. It's getting the internal ship ready first. And I usually see a lot of time it's a culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you you really have to change. So those are the first two things that I would do. I mean, the numbers, anyone can go and study the numbers and can look at that stuff. Uh, but if I tend to recognize if marketing thinks the sales team's stupid or if customer service feel that they're <laughs> no, giving that never happens. Crappy, you know, <laughs> or you know, customer service you know feels like okay, these sales get reps are getting these crappy folks, and I can't really, you know, we all we're doing is just you know tech calls, tech calls. We can't, you know, they're selling stupid stuff or selling the wrong things, promising the fault, you know, the, the wrong ideas. I you usually can tell um, that those are some of the things that affect. Um, the culture. You get the sales team, and then you get the company, and then you can do all of the other stuff. It's going to be easier um, right. to look at the numbers. All right, very good. All right, so now I've got some maybe shorter questions to answer. Uh, the first one is when you, Donald, are out selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Mm. I would say my most powerful sales attribute when I'm out selling. Someone once told me is, and I guess it goes back to, you heard in some of my answers already, um, to, in order to be successful, do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. So what I like to do is is to think creatively and then two, to think personally. Some people have, you, you probably heard a statement, treat others the way that you would like to be treated. However, 
that's not necessarily true. The way Andy would be like to be treated is totally different than the way Donald would like to be treated uh, many times. So I would like to treat people the way that they would like to be treated. And when I do a personal approach to folks, do something different compared to everybody else, I tend to see that a little bit have more, a little, little bit more results. So I personalize. I like to be as personalized as much as possible. I know it mm-hmm. sounds vague, but I, it's little things. Even like uh, the way I prospect sometimes when I'm trying to get after certain type of clients, I might use a social connection, but then I send stuff personally in the mail. And then when I'm able to meet with them, I'm able to utilize those personal things that I'm able to learn as opposed to make it just a sales call as opposed to a personal connection. Sure. Okay, good answer. So if there's one thing you could change about your business self, what would that be? Business self or business itself? Business self. My business self. Um, if there's one thing I would change, yeah, it's a good question, Andy. I would say is it would be my uh, be more uh, fine tuned processes. I love processes, and maybe that's just the reason why I like pick on myself in that area. Um, I feel that I have a lot of processes, but. I feel that too many. Certain, I think there's sometimes there may be too many, or the, they're not as efficient as possible. The ones, the most important ones, we can get so bogged down on doing so many different things. Listen, not that we, I can get so bogged down on doing so many different things that I don't focus on the ones that are the most important. So you might have a process for you know helping you know, the company do this, but is that going to drive revenue? Um, I just need to focus on the most important processes and to make sure those processes are optimized to the best of their ability. Um, so, Okay, good answer. So who's your sales role model? Ooh, my sales role model. Uh, I have several, but if there's one person that I would say is uh, someone I look up to when it comes to sales, I had, it's not someone, you know, huge and, you know, famous that you, you may think about. Um, there was one of my leaders at one point, his name is uh, um, Jared Young. I, have if, I guess he's, you probably don't know Jared Young. So, but Jared Young, with the, he was in a door-to-door security. And one of the things that Jared shared with me that totally changed the way that I performed was he said, there's no such thing as luck. And he always used to say this. You got to go out and create your luck. Luck is where hard work meets an opportunity. Uh-huh. And Jared, just you know, just a simple little statement like that, just always made me realize that it's not going to be just magic pill, but you just have to go out. And he was a hustler. He worked hard. He he sacrificed, and he was he was he cared about individuals. He was nice to people. He didn't try to screw people around or you know try to shove you know say do it my way. It wasn't a Gestapo. It was it was really good really good guy. And I gained a lot of skills from Jared. Okay, so. Jared Young. Props to Jared. Yeah. So, uh, what's one book every salesperson should read? Uh, there's one that I'm reading right now. Three sales. Uh, um, three. Let me make sure I give you the exact title. Three sales value conversation. Um, I can send the information over to that. But I just started reading that book, and it's a phenomenal classic book. I would share as also is uh, is Think and Grow Rich. At least for mindset purposes, sure. it definitely helped me. Napoleon Hill. Uh, yeah. So, but those are some of the books that those are the two that I definitely love to recommend to reps that they check it out and, and that they read. Especially this latest one that I'm reading, it's just kind of changed the way that I thought um, um, about sales. Okay. And last question: What music's on your playlist these days? Right now, some reggae. Um, Damien Marley. <laughs> Another Marley, Damien. Yeah, Damien now, Marley. Is he like Ziggy Marley's kid or? He's actually Ziggy's brother, brother Bob Marley's okay. son. You know, he had 
Bob Marley had kids all over the place, yeah. but <laughs> but Damien, uh, he's uh, he's really cool, um, and uh, I like some of his stuff. Um, just love uh, I love reggae. So usually, sometimes if not on my playlist, you go to Pandora, you can listen to some play- playlists, um, find some of their stuff, and then also some good old school Bob. Love Bob. Bob. Yeah. Um, Ray Charles, I love Ray, and uh, some of my you know modern stuff. Uh, um, there, I love Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so yeah, see, like, not even so modern. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, good. Well, Donald, thank you for joining me today. Can I tell people how they can find out more about you? Yeah. Well, the best place they can go is to the website, and if they desire, actually, Andy, if your audience member want to get um, a a free video training that I have, it's call it's where i share three ways to double the amount of referrals they're getting and it's about 45 minutes training they can go to the salesevangelist.com forward slash accelerate they can get that video training but also get connected with me and all my social media so you can be a one-stop shop so the salesevangelist.com forward slash accelerate and they can get access to that three-part video training and also connect further with me as well sounds good well again thanks for being on the show Anytime. It's an honor and keep doing what you're doing over here. It's awesome. And um, it's, I'm going to definitely make sure I recommend it to some more folks to check out a podcast. It's, you can never have enough good, good stuff that's going to be effective. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Appreciate it very much. So, and remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether you listen on your commute or in the morning at the gym or make it part of your morning sales meeting. Because that way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Donald Kelly, the sales evangelist, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.